Garden Basics with Farmer Fred is brought to you by Smart Pots, the original, lightweight, long-lasting fabric plant container. It's made in the USA. Visit smartpots.com slash Fred for more information and a special discount. That's smartpots.com slash Fred. Welcome to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. If you're just a beginning gardener or you want good gardening information, well, you've come to the right spot. If you've been in a supermarket lately, you might still be in sticker shock at the high prices for basic commodities. One of those has almost tripled in price over the last few months. I'm talking about eggs. As a result, maybe you're thinking about getting a hen or two or more for your backyard to satisfy your egg-eating habits. But before you head to the feed store to start your little chicken and egg enterprise, give a listen to today's podcast. We're talking backyard chicken basics with urban chicken consultant and poultry health inspector Cherie Sintis Glover. Among other chicken raising advice, she says different chicken breeds have different personalities. So we want to match you up with a compatible hen. Think of this episode as the chicken dating game. We're podcasting from Barking Dog Studios here in the beautiful Abutilon jungle in suburban purgatory. It's the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast, and we're brought to you today by Smart Pots. And we'll do it all in under 30 minutes. Let's go. If you've been in a supermarket lately, you may have seen the prices of eggs. You may have seen the prices of chickens. Maybe some of you are thinking, maybe it's time we get ourselves a chicken and have our own eggs. Well, before you do that, you want to hear what my next guest has to say. Cherie Sintas Glover is an urban chicken consultant. She is a certified poultry health inspector as well and runs a wonderful website, chickensforeggs.com. Everything you want to know about raising chickens in your backyard, you can find on the website, chickensforeggs.com. Plus, she does seminars as well, Zoom classes. And Cherie, the, the rise in prices of eggs and chicken, I, I, this isn't because of the war in Ukraine. I think it's the avian flu, isn't it? That's a great question. I think there's, I think it's a little bit of everything, right? It's anytime there's an opportunity for prices to go up, they seem to be going up. Uh, but yeah, chick, gosh, chicken eggs are going for... I think I've seen them as high as six or $7 a, a dozen in some stores. And it depends, right? Depends on which ones you get. If you get the quote unquote, you know, organic farm fresh raised, you know, eggs versus the regular, just old fashioned white ones from Costco. But yeah, the prices are have just been skyrocketing. I have not seen $2 a dozen eggs in quite a while now. No, no. And even the people that, you know, on your average farm that are selling eggs kind of at a roadside stand, they're increasing their numbers as well. I think it's because chicken feed costs have gone up a little bit. But anytime there's a rise, we have to kind of keep up with that. And right now, because of that, more people are actually thinking about raising their own chickens. And especially with the uncertainty, right? For a long time, we weren't sure what, what would be available in the stores or what would be running low. There's still times. There are still times when I go into Costco and there's no paper towels. So people are trying to think outside of the box or maybe in the box. If they haven't already taken maybe that dive into backyard chicken keeping, like during COVID times, now they're really considering it because of the expense and the cost. They want a backup plan. And one nice thing, too, when you raise your own chickens is the quality of the eggs. 
They're colorful. They're they're nice, deep, rich yellow yolk, and they're much more tasty than what you're going to find at a grocery store. They're very different. In fact, people are often just kind of shocked and surprised at how flavorful their their eggs are. The ones that they have, you know, they have their own backyard chickens that they've raised themselves compared to the ones that they can buy in the supermarket. And the reason for that is just really comes down to that chicken's diet. So backyard chicken keepers, their flocks are typically searching around in the backyard for bugs, for all those wonderful grass, weed nuggets out there that they can grab. So because of that, they're nutritionally increasing their diet with all of those great nutrients. And that's what makes that yolk just a bit more orange. But what's funny too, is that sometimes even the breeds will make a little bit of a difference. And there is, for instance, in our in our layer flock that we have, I'll crack open, you know, three or four different types of eggs and each of those yolks will be a different color. So it lets me know who's maybe foraging more than the others, perhaps. Mm. Let's talk a little bit about avian flu. It is decimating flocks throughout the country. Uh, I know up in the Northwest and back East, something like 35 million chickens have been culled, which by the way is a euphemism, because of the avian <laughs> flu. The, you know, in the variety right now, the variety of the variety of the virus, because the, there are so many different types of avian flus, people typically don't realize that. But the one that's circulating right now is the highly um, pathogenic avian influenza, which is known as the HPAI. In this one, they actually feel it's, it's the worst one since 2015. Um, And back then in 2015, they had about 15 million birds that were euthanized. So we're getting close to that number, but but we're watching it closely because throughout the United States is beginning to spread. It it hasn't luckily, knock, knock on wood, has not reached California, but it has gotten as close as Oregon and Washington. So we are keeping an eye on it. And people need to realize that this is mostly inhabiting wildfowl, right? And we're talking about wild birds such as ducks and geese that are migrating. Although there have been cases within backyard flocks, they've been minimal, but they are asking people to take certain precautions, especially if they happen to live by large waterways. So waterways, or it's funny, the USDA um, on the website, it talks about lagoons. Luckily, I don't think we have a lot of lagoons here <laughs> in, in Northern California. But, um, but as we know, the, the way that the Pacific Flyway goes, all of those migrating ducks and geese are going to be flowing down through California down to get to Mexico. And I think that's what they're trying to be preemptive with. And and they want to make sure that people are not only educated, but just informed about the flu, this avian flu and what they can do to protect their own backyard flocks. Well, give us some quick tips on protecting backyard flocks from avian flu. Oh, sure. So there's a couple of things that backyard chicken keepers can do. And one of them is just use really good biosecurity. And we've heard this before, right? It's things like limiting access to your property to where your chickens are. You want to make sure, too, that you don't have waterfowl, wild ducks and geese that can actually get into where your coop is located. That's a big one. So having an enclosed coop is always a good thing. Um, We had neighbors that had um, a duck flock out in their yard, and as it turned out, they had a little pond. Well, guess what? One day they walked out and they actually had some wild wild ducks visit them. 
something like that can be definitely a, a sensitive area and a, and a risk for a lot of backyard chicken keepers as well. So doing things like keeping that biosecurity, maybe having a foot bath, limiting that access, those are going to be the key things that most will be able to do to keep their flock safe. Right. You mentioned foot bath. And during the last uh, avian flu outbreak, uh, I remember the emphasis that was placed upon basically wiping off your shoes, uh, cleaning your car tires <laughs> and not tracking uh, any uh, detritus uh, from an infected flock to someplace else. It's amazing how we as the human person, you know, as the chicken keeper can actually be the vector, which is basically the, the module of movement, right, for viruses. We can track things into our own coop without even realizing. It. So the easiest foot bath to do is to get one of those. You can actually get like a basin from, say, like Home Depot or one of those hardware stores. What you do is you take a one of those rubber or plastic mats. You lay that on the bottom and you basically do a, a bleach and water solution. It needs to just be super simple. It doesn't have to have a lot of bleach in it. I believe it's a tablespoon for every gallon. And then what you'll do is you can literally just put your shoes in. It doesn't even have to be that deep. You do a quick wipe of your shoes or your special chicken boots um, on that mat in the water, and that will do the trick. Another thing that's super easy is to basically have a chicken sprayer um, or just a regular backyard garden sprayer where you have uh, the bleach solution. And you can use that sprayer to actually spray your shoes or your boots before you you know, you go in or out of your chicken area. And I would do the same thing for visitors. For instance, I had um, a delivery from our local feed store and that's what we did. I actually sprayed the delivery person's shoes and boots <laughs> so that he could he could deliver the feed that we needed. All right. So this is important if you're thinking of starting up a, a little backyard chicken operation of your own to get some uh, uh, eggs, for example, is biosecurity when there is an avian flu outbreak and it does happen every few years or so. And so you may want to invest and rubber boots. Yes. And, you know, there was um, just some, you know, basic rubber boots will work or shoes that you can easily clean. You know, if we use our regular tennis shoes, they're just a little tougher to clean. Right. But something else that was interesting that, that I read was that we might not always think about is duck hunters. Right. So duck season is coming up in the fall. And if you happen to have your own backyard flock and you go out on you know, Saturday to go duck hunting, you're going to be in that environment with the waterfowl. And the recommendation was actually to not even make sure that you don't walk with your hunting gear, your clothing, your boots that you wore out in the duck fields and blinds walking those into where your chicken coop is. And I wouldn't even have thought of that, except that my my son is a duck hunter. And so that means that if he happens to bring some some ducks back home, I need to make sure he doesn't walk through our chicken coop area. All right. Well, that was a good scenic bypass. I'm pretty picky about who I allow to advertise on this podcast. My criteria, though, is pretty simple. It has to be a product I like, a product I use, and a product I would buy again. And you know who checks all those boxes? It's Smart Pots. Smart Pots is the oldest and still the best of all the fabric plant containers that you might find. Smart Pots are sold around the world and they're proudly made 100% right here in the USA. Smart Pots come in a wide array of sizes and colors and can be reused year after year. Some models even have handles and that makes them a lot easier to move around the yard. Because the fabric breathes, smart pots are better suited than plastic pots, especially for hot climates. That breathable fabric has other benefits too, 
Water drainage issues? Not with smart pots. Roots that go round and round choking the root ball like they do in plastic pots? Doesn't happen with smart pots. These benefits will help you get a bigger, better plant than what you've gotten in the past with the same size plastic or other hard container. Smart pots are available at independent garden centers as well as select Ace and True Value hardware stores nationwide. To find a store near you or to buy online, visit smartpots.com Fred. And don't forget that slash Fred part. On that page are details about how for a limited time you can get 10% off your smart pot order by using the coupon code FRED. F-R-E-D. Use it at checkout from the smart pot store. Visit smartpots.com FRED for more information about the complete line of smart pots lightweight, colorful, award-winning fabric containers. And don't forget that special Farmer Fred 10% discount, Smart Pots, the original award-winning fabric planter. Go to smartpots.com slash Fred. Now, for those who are thinking of getting a backyard flock, really, how many chickens do they need? How big of a space do the chickens need? What are some of the basics when it comes to implementing a backyard chicken operation? So I'm so glad you asked this because this is one of the top questions I get when I teach the chicken classes. And people, that's what they want to know. How many chickens do I need? And really, what are the best breeds to have if I want to have fresh eggs every morning? So we're really fortunate that we have a lot to choose from when it comes to the breeds. And there are so many different hatcheries available. There's so many different breeds of chickens available. So first thing you have to really decide, though, is how many you need. And really, that depends on how many eggs you eat per week. So your normal average chicken will lay about half a dozen eggs per week. So that's about six per week. So you figure, okay, if you eat, you know, a dozen eggs a week, which actually sounds like quite a few, that will factor into how many chickens you have. The other factor, especially if you live in an urban environment, happens to be, do you have neighbors? If you have neighbors, I would actually get a, another chicken <laughs> just to supply your neighbor with some fresh eggs too. And that just helps them uh, buy into the idea that you might have some backyard hens for fresh eggs, right? Who's going to turn down fresh eggs? So plan on figuring out how many eggs you eat per week. How many do you want? And then figure one chicken for every half dozen. That's the easiest way to think about it. Ah. Now, as far as breeds go, yeah. Does that help? Yes, that as helps. As far as how many? So as far as breeds go, the breed of the chicken, luckily we have, we have so many different ones to choose from. But first thing is size. So we have both standard size chickens, which are your typical chicken size, or you have bantam. And bantam refers to... It's kind of like a miniature chicken, right? So they don't always have the same breeds or varieties between the bantams and the standard size, but that'll at least tell you what you have to choose from. Now, bantams do lay a smaller egg, and typically they'll bantam-sized birds will have, oh, it's usually one to two to three eggs equal one of the standards. Mm. So two or three bantam eggs will equal one standard size chicken egg. So just bear that in mind. But from the standard breeds versus the bantam breeds, you can get everything from feather footed, which means they have feathers on their legs, to all different colors and varieties. Some of the breeds are good dual breeds, which means that they not only lay great eggs, but you can also, if you're interested in harvest, harvesting them for your freezer as for chicken dinner, you can do that. Um, but you really have a variety to choose from, especially if you order from a hatchery. That's what's going to give you probably the best options. 
Um, but you don't always have to raise chickens from baby eggs or baby chicks stage. If you if you really don't want to raise baby chicks and be that mama hen um, until they they get fully feathered, an option is to look at your local feed stores, maybe even look at local chicken breeders and see if they have maybe young pullets that you can purchase where they're already past that stage where they need like warmth or a brooder. Looking at an article uh, on the website Successful Farming, and actually the website is called agriculture.com, but they had an article about 10 chicken breeds for your farm. And I was just amazed at the descriptions about the personalities of these chickens and that some sound like they're very aggressive. Others sound like they're, they would be very good in cold climates and others are very docile. They are. You know, see, that's what's interesting is you really can pick the kind of chicken that's going to suit your lifestyle or maybe even where you live. And no matter what, I'm going to say this across the board is really what your chickens are always going to be able to survive the colder months, especially if you live in areas like mine here in the valley where we really don't get much of a winter, right? We have pretty mild, mild winters, but even then the chickens are mostly going to be affected by actual heat. They are more likely to suffer heat stress, but uh, when it comes to their personalities, and I'll actually say that even though they're a chicken, <laughs> they will have personalities and different temperaments. One of the most popular chickens, at least chicken breeds back in the day, used to be one called a Rhode Island Red. And everybody had Rhode Island Reds. That was just what you had if you wanted eggs. They all looked the same. They were kind of that brick red kind of color. They had like a lighter under color for their feathering, but they were kind of mean, right? They were the ones that would chase you even if they were hens and they were just more likely to, to just not be as friendly. And so what's kind of cool is that these days you can choose some of the breeds that are a little more colorful, that are a little, little more friendly as far as human interaction goes. So one of my all time favorites is actually called a Red Star. And it's a breed that one of the hatcheries produces. And what's so awesome about the Red Stars is that they're actually a cross between the White Leghorn and the Rhode Island Reds. And they are the most fabulous chicken for, for just hanging around with you in the yard. They're the one that when I've raised them in the past, if I'm out in the yard working on something or working out in the garden, first thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna feel something watching me. And then I turn and look and it's always the Red Star. <laughs> They just, for whatever reason, they are just a very friendly, personable, very relaxed, easygoing chicken. So if you're looking for eggs, they lay a nice bright orange red kind of colored egg, nice and large. And if you have kids, they're a great chicken because they'll easily get used to being handled and stuff by, by children. So Red Star is always kind of my favorite. Another really great one is the Silver Laced Wine Dot and then also the Buff Orpingtons. They tend to be the heavier breeds and they're just so much fun. I don't know if you remember the movie Chicken Run, but those are the one, those chickens are the ones that remind me of Chicken Run. <laughs> it's just their way that their body's shaped and their plumage. But that's the cool thing about chickens is that, you know, if, even if you get a chance to visit a chicken show or, you know, poultry show, you'll get to see all the different types. And all chickens that are female, oh my gosh, all of them lay eggs. So, you know, there's, you know, have fun with it. Choose, choose a chicken breed that you're interested in and that you'll enjoy. What about roosters? Do you need roosters? Do you need a rooster in order to get eggs? 
No, you do not. It's funny how many people still think that you have to have a rooster in order to have good egg production. And the truth is you really don't. Your your female hens are going to lay eggs whether there's a rooster there or not. And they're going to lay them consistently. So no, there is no rooster am needed. And what's kind of interesting is that a lot of the city ordinances, so for people that are in an urban environment, the city ordinances will typically outline that no roosters are allowed. So the cool thing, the good thing is that you can still have your chickens, your hens without him, without having to have a rooster. Yeah. So you do a lot right. of classes, in-person classes and uh, consulting, of course, and Zoom classes on raising chickens. I know that uh, where you are near Lodi, California, you've got some classes coming up in June and July. We'll have some links to that information at our website at gardenbasics.net and on the show notes, as well as uh, you can find it at chickensforeggs.com as well. Uh, all the information about the classes that Cherie Sintas Glover teaches on backyard chicken keeping and you do have some great information there on your homepage about keeping your chickens cool. And with summer along the way, that's, those are some good points there to consider for those who currently have chickens. Oh, my gosh, yes. And, you know, it's funny because we tend to worry about our chickens in the winter, right? We think, oh, no, it's going to be freezing or poor chickens. But the truth is chickens are like any any bird, right? You think of all the wild birds that are out in the trees and that are there, you know, surviving cold winter they're doing just fine your chickens will do just fine and we always 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 warn against no do not use heat lamps do not use heaters in your chicken coops in the winter they truly do not need them and they cause more fires and more damage than than you can imagine so but when it comes to summer heat that's what affects chickens more than anything and that's because of a couple things the first one is that chickens chickens actually have a higher body temperature so for them, when it gets to be in the 70s, that's probably the, just the absolute perfect temperature range for them. That's when they're the happiest. They're, the daylight hours are enough for them to generate you know, those eggs and they're doing great. But once that temperature begins to rise and increase, and especially here where I am in the valley, we get temperatures of upwards uh, low 100s to 110, sometimes even 115 if you're up near the Chico area. And that is brutal. That's when you're actually going to have a chicken death on your hands. So the best way to prevent heat stress in chickens is you can do a couple things. Number one is avoid feeding treats like chicken scratch. That means like corn scratch, anything like that. Any of those carbohydrates are going to actually increase that chicken's body temperature. So I have a strict rule in my backyard flock, which is no, no scratch, no corn scratch during the summer months when it's basically over 85 degrees. Um, then another thing you can do is have good airflow. You want there to be good ventilation and chickens tend to reset their body temperature at night when the temperature is lower. So I actually have large box fans that are set up on a timer. And what that does is they switch on and off during the cooler hours of the early morning. And that allows that chicken to kind of reset and be able to handle it, especially if we go into day after day after day with those 100 degrees or more kind of temperatures outside. You also want to make sure your chickens have good, fresh, cool water and use an electrolytes. They actually have, you know, powdered, basically it's powdered Gatorade for your chickens. They're called poultry electrolytes. You can find them at any poultry store or even on Amazon and pick those up, add those to the waterers, but don't wait until it's hundred degrees, right? 
what you're going to do is be able to add that in a few days before. So watch your weather reports. When you know that a heat wave is coming, don't wait. Go ahead and start the birds on the electrolytes before that. And you just add them to the water, which, which makes it super simple. And one last trick, and actually I learned this from someone who used to show rabbit. What you do is you take a two liter bottle or any kind of plastic bottle, you fill it up with water and you freeze it. And then what you can do is place those frozen water bottles inside your chicken coop. What's cool about it is not only will it provide a little bit of coolness when it evaporates, right, and starts to melt, but you'll find that your chickens will snuggle up next to that <laughs> frozen two liter water bottle um, just to help them cool off during the hottest parts of the day. And what's super great is that it doesn't create a mess, right? A lot of people want to go with misters, but I find that those end up creating pools of water that really aren't healthy for the birds to drink out of. And they tend to clog up, right? They're more more work than they're worth. So those would be my, my biggest tips when it comes to um, eliminating or at least help preventing heat stress in your chickens. And probably some shade too. Oh, yes. <laughs> forgot about the shade. Um, it's funny because to me, I'm like, shade is automatic. And that's partly for me as the chicken keeper, because I would not want to work with my chickens in the hot sun. But oh my gosh, yes, make sure they have good shaded area to go to. It still gets really hot even in the shade, but at least I'll provide them some protection from the sun. So a nice tree, shade cloth, you can set that up. Anything you can do to help those chickens, especially in the late afternoon sun. Chickensforeggs.com is the website. Cherie Sintis Glover is an urban chicken consultant and a certified poultry health inspector. And if you want more tips about uh, raising chickens, getting started to raise chickens, visit the website. She has classes as well. You can click on the classes link to find out when she's going to have her next Zoom uh, class where you can find out more about uh, raising chickens and caring for chickens as well. Cherie, thank you for uh, giving, giving us the lowdown on chickens and eggs today. Hey, you're very welcome. Thank you so much, Fred. store your chicken eggs in the refrigerator or on the kitchen counter? Which is better? How can you tell when an egg is going bad? Should you wash chicken eggs? And what should the temperature of the water be for that wash? And how do you get your backyard chicken flock to lay more eggs in the winter? In Friday's Beyond the Garden Basics newsletter, we chat with urban chicken consultant and certified poultry health inspector Cherie Sintas Glover. Think of it as a deeper dive into the world of chickens and eggs. And it's only in the newsletter that goes beyond the basics, the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred Beyond the Basics newsletter, and it's out Friday, June 24th. Find it via the link in today's show notes or visit our new website, gardenbasics.net. There, you can find a link to the newsletter in the tabs at the top of the page. And you can listen to any of our previous editions of the podcast, as well as read an enhanced transcript of the podcast episode you're listening to right now. It's at GardenBasics.net. That's where you can also link to the Garden Basics newsletter, Beyond the Garden Basics. And it's free. Look for it on Friday, June 24th. Take a deeper dive into gardening with the Beyond the Garden Basics newsletter. Find it at GardenBasics.net. Garden Basics with Farmer Fred comes out every Tuesday and Friday, and it's brought to you by Smart Pots and Dave Wilson Nursery. Garden Basics, it's available wherever podcasts are handed out. For more information about the podcast, visit our website, gardenbasics.net. And that's where you can find out about the free Garden Basics newsletter, Beyond the Basics. And thank you so much for listening.